three and one-half centuries, or until 1882, with the exception of 1594 to 1606, when, through William Barentz, the Dutch held the record, Great Britain's flag was always waving nearest to the top of the globe. The same year that Jamestown was founded, Henry Hudson, 1607, also seeking the route to the Indies, discovered Jan Mayen, circumnavigated Spitsbergen, and advanced the eye of man to 80 degrees 23 minutes. Most valuable of all, Hudson brought back accounts of great multitudes of whales and walruses, with the result that for the succeeding years these new waters were thronged with fleets of whaling ships from every maritime nation. The Dutch specially profited by Hudson's discovery. During the 17th and 18th centuries they sent no less than 300 ships and 15,000 men each summer to these Arctic fisheries, and established on Spitsbergen, within the Arctic Circle, one of the most remarkable summer towns the world has ever known, where stores and warehouses and reducing stations and cooperages and many kindred industries flourished during the fishing season. With the approach of winter, all buildings were shut up, and the population, numbering several thousand, all returned home. Hudson's record remained unequaled for 165 years, or until 1773, when J.C. Phipps surpassed his farthest north by 25 miles. Today, the most interesting fact connected with the Phipps expedition is that Nelson, the hero of Trafalgar and of the Battle of the Nile, then a lad of fifteen, was a member of the party. Thus the boldest and strongest spirits of the most adventurous and hardy profession of those days sought employment in the contest against the frozen wilderness of the North. The first half of the nineteenth century witnessed many brave ships and gallant men sent to the Arctic regions. While most of these expeditions were not directed against the Pole so much as sent in an endeavor to find a route to the Indies around North America, the Northwest Passage, and around Asia, the Northeast Passage, many of them are intimately interwoven with the conquest of the Pole and were a necessary part of its ultimate discovery. England hurled expedition after expedition, manned by the best talent and energy of her navy, against the ice which seemingly blocked every channel to her ambitions for an Arctic route to the Orient. In 1819, Parry penetrated many intricate passages and overcame one half of the distance between Greenland and Bering Sea, winning a prize of five thousand pounds, offered by Parliament to the first navigator to pass the 110th meridian west of Greenwich. He was also the first navigator to pass directly north of the magnetic North Pole, which he located approximately, and thus the first to report the strange experience of seeing the compass needle pointing due south. So great was Parry's success that the British government sent him out in command of two other expeditions in search of the Northwest Passage. In explorations and discoveries the results of these two later expeditions were not so rich, but the experience in ice work so obtained gave Parry conclusions which revolutionized all methods in Arctic navigation. Hitherto all attempts to approach the Pole had been made in ships. In 1827 Parry suggested the plan of a dash to the Pole on foot from a base on land. He obtained the assistance of the government, which for the fourth time sent him to the Arctic provided with well-equipped ships and able officers and men. He carried a number of reindeer with him to his base in Spitsbergen, purposing to use these animals to drag his sledges. 
The scheme proved impracticable, however, and he was compelled to depend on the muscles of his men to haul his two heavy sledges, which were in reality boats on steel runners. Leaving Spitzbergen on June 23rd with twenty-eight men, he pushed northward. But the summer sun had broken up the ice floes, and the party repeatedly found it necessary to take the runners off their boats in order to ferry across the stretches of open water. After thirty days' incessant toil, Parry had reached eighty-two degrees forty-five minutes, about one hundred fifty miles north of his base and four hundred thirty-five geographical miles from the pole. Here he found that while his party rested, the drift of the ice was carrying him daily back, almost as much as they were able to make in the day's work. Retreat was therefore begun. Harry's accomplishments, marking a new era in polar explorations, created a tremendous sensation. Knighthood was immediately bestowed upon him by the king, while the British people heaped upon him all the honors and applause with which they had...